I don't remember at all ever having this grand scheme where I wanted to be a millionaire at age X and a CEO at age Y and a president of the United States at age Z. Former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg, today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Hello and welcome to Now I've Heard Everything. Michael Bloomberg was a Wall Street investment banker, but he's also an entrepreneur. He's a billionaire. He's a philanthropist. He's a three-term former mayor of New York City, and now he's a presidential candidate. In 1997, when I talked with him about a book he'd written called (laughs) Bloomberg on Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg was still four years away from becoming mayor of New York City. He was mayor for three terms. He's been a Republican, he's been a Democrat, he's been an Independent, now he's a Democrat again. But Michael Bloomberg is also a very astute businessman. As you'll hear in this interview, again, from 1997, Michael Bloomberg. My prescription for success is hard work and getting people to help you because you help them. And if you do that then the likelihood of success in anything is greater. There are no guarantees. There's somebody who's going to work very hard in life, walk down the street and have a safe fall on their head. And there's somebody else who's going to be one of these lazy good-for-nothings who sit back and hit a $50 million lottery. The extremes happen. But most times, it's, you're not on the extremes. You're in the middle of the curve. And in the middle of the curve, uh, success goes to those people who work harder and who get along with their fellow man and uh, co-opt others and share the credit uh, and are honest and open and inquisitive and don't just take things for granted. And who persist. And who persist. And uh, just uh, they're, they're, the stories that you tell in here about the times, the kinds of adversities that you faced, whether it's the Japanese press that won't let you come in, our own Washington press corps that won't let you come in, competitors, companies saying, no, you can't do that. It strikes me that when somebody says to Mr. Bloomberg, you can't do that, Mr. Bloomberg says, you watch. (laughs) Well, I think there is something to be said that if enough people tell me not to do it, and a lot of people did tell me not to write the book, (laughs) there's no question that gets me to go ahead and do it. Uh, You know, it's a fine balance. You have to have have the courage of your convictions. Uh, On the other hand, it's probably only the results that differentiate courage of convictions from stubbornness. And the second thing that you have to have in addition to the stubbornness to keep going is the smarts to know when to pull the plug. You just can't ride with everything forever. Is this the reason for your success? Tomorrow is today. Do, Do you get that in a way other people don't? Uh, I think if if there's something that we as a company have done well, other than being honest and working hard and trying a lot of things, because we're not so smart, we don't know what's going to work, but if you try enough things in a small scale so that if it doesn't work, it doesn't hurt mm. you and it doesn't preclude other things, what we may have done well is we've really gone and sat down and say, now what are people really doing? Not what do they say they're doing, not what is conventional wisdom, how conventional wisdom describes it. What are people actually doing uh, when they are watching news? Is it news or entertainment? Uh, do they real what kind of information do they need? When do they need it? Are they really watching? Not what I'd like to have happen, but try to find out what's really happening. And then you can tailor your products for uh, for the real world. Some things will work then, and some won't. Nobody's able to predict the future, no matter what they say. True. 
I, I have to ask us the way Larry King might ask. Did you know, always know you wanted to be an emperor? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, somebody said to me, what, did, what were you doing? What were you thinking about when you were 14 in school? I mean, I assume I was thinking about uh, the Boy Scouts or uh, baseball, or maybe I was starting to get interested in girls at age 14. I really don't remember. But, but um, I don't remember at all ever having this grand scheme where I wanted to be a millionaire at age uh, X and uh, uh, CEO at age Y and a uh, president of the United States at age Z. Um, there's always been lots of opportunities. I've liked whatever I do. Uh, I, I think I was a little bit of a discipline problem through high school, <laughs> uh, partly because it was boring. And then in college, I uh, was a straight C student, but I loved it. Uh, graduate school, I was a straight C student, but I loved it. Uh, went to work at Solomon Brothers, and 15 years later when they threw me out, uh, had they not thrown me out, I'd still be there. I never would have quit in good times, and I, there's no reason to quit, or never would have quit in bad times, and no reason to quit in good times. Uh, I've just uh, been a lucky guy, and I always like it, but do I didn't have this plan. Do you, do you know how much encouragement I, as a parent, take from your story? Because my daughters are giving me a little bit of a hard time right now. I think they I, find I school a little boring. I have two daughters. I can't imagine how yours could give you a hard time. Uh, no, no, of course not. <laughs> but it's, it, it is very encouraging to see that someone who, maybe his own parents, when he was in high school, you give him a little bit of a hard time. If, if you take a look at who are the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, uh, she or he is typically state university graduate, not Ivy League graduate. Uh, he or she has gotten thrown and fired once or twice in their lives. Their careers were certainly not straight line up. Um, I think what the reason is, is the world is very big, and yes, you should go to the best school you can get into and get the best education you can, but some other skills are really much more important than those are the skills of dealing with people and being uh, uh, willing to question, not just taking everybody's word for things, but asking why. Uh, and America's a wonderful country, remember. That's the other thing, that if you were in many European countries, for example, lineage matters no matter how smart you are. They are getting to be more meritocracies than they were before, uh, but only in America does who your parents were almost not matter at all. Um, maybe, I suppose, if you're a Kennedy, it might help in political office, but even that's going away. You've got to remember the families like Vanderbilt's and Whitney's and Carnegie's and Mellon's. They gave away all their money. Mm -hmm. um, the Rockefeller fortune is now distributed over an enormous number of people, all of whom, incidentally, have done uh, great things for this country. I mean, it's really hard to think back of a scandal, uh, other than maybe Nelson a little bit, in the yeah. Rockefeller family. And, you know, there's lots of doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs who are really contributing a lot to society in the Rockefeller families. All of those kinds of families uh, did the, gave back to the country uh, what they got and, and what they made, and, 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 and maybe more so. And people today, this is where you want your daughters to grow up. I was just going to ask you, why, why is it so important to you to, be, to, have, to give back? Why why should successful people give back to, to their community? Well, number one, you can argue it's a very selfish thing. I can't imagine how anybody could have as much satisfaction and even fun by, uh, as they could if, uh, in giving their monies to a variety of philanthropic organizations. Uh, the fun part, I'm on the board of the U.S. Ski Team Educational mm -hmm. Foundation, and I'm a big skier, and that's a lot of fun to hobnob with the uh, downhill racers uh, 
uh, and the slalom racers. On the other side, uh, I give a lot of money to uh, organizations that try to cure disease or prevent blindness and death in young kids in the third world. How can you ever get more satisfaction than that? You go to bed night, you have a smile on your face, and you have good reason to. And uh, my main love is Johns Hopkins University, where I'm chairman of the mm-hmm. board and spend most of my time, and in all fairness, give the bulk of my uh, philanthropic donations to, and, and always will. Uh, and we educate the young, we defend this country, we uh, uh, advance culture, we prevent diseases, we cure diseases. Um, it's very heady stuff. And what else am I going to do that would ever be as satisfying as to buy that? So think of all philanthropy as a selfish thing. And if you do, you will give a lot away and you will spend a lot of time working for good causes because it really is satisfying. People worry about this new technology that's coming in. Maybe it's going to replace people who are doing an actual physical job. Because you've got computers doing the work, the, the drudge work that most Absolutely. organizations we have cer- other reporters do. We certainly have computers that have replaced people, but we have hired more people, not less. If you think about it, the more technology makes people productive, the more of those people a company wants to hire. You don't want to downsize with technology. You want to make your people more productive and then hire more of them. And for those that are worried about creating an underclass who can't handle the technology, the two things to be comforted, uh, to try to comfort them. One is history shows that technology coming in is a boon and creates jobs on balance so that uh, there's a, we have low unemployment in this country with all the technology we've had. There's a lot of unemployment, much more so in the places that don't have technology. Uh, we f- Fewer people go to, the, go to bed hungry in the world every night than ever before in history. That's because of technology. We're safer. Life expectancy goes up because of technology. And uh, so, so I don't think there's any great danger of that. It is true that technology comes in and changes what you, skills you have to have in order to compete. And there are clearly people, and it's very tragic, who get laid off because of technology and find it difficult to get another position paying the same kind of money or with the same kind of challenge or in the same location or whatever the case may be. Nevertheless, you've got to look at the macro numbers, and the macro numbers say that if you have the basic skills, you probably will find something as good, if not better. And that's why I think we're making a mistake of worrying about our children um, having computers in the classroom, particularly in the elementary schools. Our kids learn need to learn to read, write, arithmetic, get along with people, dress, uh, sanitary uh, habits, those kinds of things to get along with their fellow person. And the more technology we have, the more the basic skills are important because what technology does is it takes over the rote things and the technical details we before had to worry about. Lots of skills that were technical skills get replaced with technology as computers can do it for you. They can do it better. But the basic skills don't go away. So yes, you will start recording into a computer rather than onto a tape deck. Yes, you will have uh, more technology in your radio studio, but there's going to be fewer buttons for you to push because technology, as it gets more complex internally, gets more simplistic externally. So in the end, your skills as an announcer, as an interviewer, as a booker to get the right guess and know which questions, those skills become more important than knowing how to 
punch all those buttons mm -hmm. and all the dials that you have in a normal radio studio, that stuff is what's going to be replaced. So get your kids to learn the basic skills and don't worry about making them computer literate, whatever that means. The computer of tomorrow will be infinitely simpler than the computer of today, and all of the time that they uh, spend on computer stuff will be probably good in a using a Nintendo game, but not terribly applicable in their ability to be good human beings and to get a job and to raise a family. Former New York City mayor, now Democratic presidential candidate, Michael Bloomberg. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything... She is a legend, and the, I don't take use that word lightly. She is a legend. Dolly Parton, singer, songwriter, entrepreneur, producer, movie star. You name it, she's done it, and I interviewed her in 1994. We'll be hearing that interview next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.